you know, the triple aim of healthcare being let's make it economical, let's make that user experience better, but actually let's look at baseline population health. Let's stop people needing to get into acute care. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. And if you run an innovative healthcare company, technology company, a device company, you name it, and you want to align your technology or your software with your targeted stakeholder in order to create a consistent message to drive business development strategy for specific healthcare stakeholders, then I'd encourage you to check out the Market Penetration Roadmap. It is how I work with healthcare technology and innovative healthcare companies to humanize healthcare. Basically, I help you say the right thing to the right healthcare audience. You can learn more about that at strategy.rehabupracticesolutions.com. That is strategy.rehab, the letter U, practicesolutions.com. And that will tell you all about our healthcare technology positioning engagement that we call the Market Penetration Roadmap. Alrighty. This week, we are continuing on with our exploration of healthcare technology and its use both for improving and increasing the ability of providers to deliver individualized and customized healthcare engagements or healthcare services, as well as decreasing the overall cost or the burden placed on clinicians uh, through the delivery of healthcare, right? So my guest this week, uh, I'll, well, I'll tell you a little bit about what we're gonna talk about and then I'll introduce the guest. So um, imagine if how many clinicians, GPs, uh, primary care providers, you name it, that spend a lot of their time doing a battery of tests because they don't necessarily know what they're screening for, so they're just trying to catch whatever could be going on. And the amount of time that is spent on these tests, the amount of money that is spent on some of these tests, which turn out to be unnecessary. But given the time constraints that these clinicians are under, they don't have the the resource, the time resource to dig in enough to say, okay, this is the one or two tests that we should order. They have, you know, seven minutes with the patient. So they're trying to get this a whole lot of information from the patient, make a quick decision, and then, you know, get the patient to some kind of uh, diagnostic or provider that can help them with their symptoms, alleviate their symptoms and their sickness without having really the necessary time to dig into it. So instead of being very efficient with, okay, we're going to order these two tests, they say, okay, it could be a myriad of these potential diagnoses. So I'm going to order a battery of tests and we're going to figure out what's going on. Imagine if there's a way to bypass all of that to where the patient could come into the clinician's office and say, listen, I did a scan or I had a scan completed and these are the results. And the physician could look it over in a matter of minutes 
and say, oh, based off of these preliminary screenings, it would make most sense for us to order these two or three tests for you instead of these you know, seven tests. Well, that is what we're going to talk about this week. My guest this week is Scott Montgomery. He's the CEO of a company called Advanced Health Intelligence. And basically what they do is they have a proprietary and patented platform that uses the smartphone's camera and light to complete a whole myriad of biometric health assessments. So they have something called the face scan, the body scan, um, and they use the multi-sensor technology and then algorithmic learning um, to give you uh, values for those potent for those tests that you that the, or the screenings that the patients would have done from the comfort of their own homes, and then it basically creates a report that then the, the either gets sent to the provider um, directly or the patient gets it in a PDF format and they can bring it to their next appointment, and that way it helps bypass some of the potential um, need for extraneous tests or diagnostic uh, lab studies that are often done in healthcare. So one of the things that Scott and I talk about is not so much that these uh, tools like, like AHI has is going to replace clinicians, but if you think about how much of a clinician's time is quote unquote wasted on tests that need, didn't need to be run, on reports that didn't need to be read, tools like this help decrease that tremendously so that the clinician's time is really focused on where they're actually making an impact, where they're actually making a difference in their patients' lives. So hopefully you find this conversation uh, insightful and entertaining. I love looking at and talking with these with these founders and just learning just the the applications for technology that we all carry around in our pockets. I mean, how many of us have a cell phone that has a smart, you know, a smartphone capabilities and has a camera and has a light in the whole nine yards? Um, how many of us have actually thought of trying to leverage that to do biomechanical screening or assessment? You know, like it's just, it's innovative. It's cool. It's interesting. I like having these conversations. Hopefully you like listening to them. So without further ado, here's Scott Montgomery talking about um, using a smartphone to complete some biometric health assessments. Well, hey, Scott, welcome to the show. How are you? Rafi, great to be here. Really well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited to talk about everything y'all have going on with using sensors for biometric reading and all that. But before we dive too much into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your professional background, and what brought you to what you're doing now with Advanced Health Intelligence. How long have we got, Rafi? It's been a a pretty (laughs) dense few years. No, look, I'll I'll give you the very quick skinny. Um, So uh, my name's Scott Montgomery. I'm the CEO of a company called Advanced Health Intelligence. We're a NASDAQ and ASX listed health technology business, uh, and we provide really access to healthcare. So biometric assessment through just the mobile phone, no wearables, no other hardware. We give that power to a user's mobile phone, and we're able to then glean from that uh, really sort of um, uh, accurate and broad measurements around blood lipid profiling, around anthropometry, so uh, body dimension measurements, composition, uh, mental health screening, and uh, cardiometabolic indicators as well. So we're doing all of that in about anywhere from 30 seconds per scan right through to a full protocol of 10 minutes. Uh, and we sell that in a B2B model to our customer segments, which are government health insurance companies and healthcare providers around the world. 
Uh, So how I got into this position uh, has been a really cool journey in itself. I've been living in Singapore for 10 years. uh, But before that, I'm an exercise physiologist trained brain um, and has worked through insurance and uh, and built and sold enterprise health companies in the past. And so uh, I'm the result of an acquisition in December uh, last year, which uh, which then put Advanced Health Intelligence uh, on the back of two acquisitions last year and put me into the seat of CEO. So really exciting time over the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Andrew, so you're a you're an exercise exercise physiologist by trade then, huh? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So before we dive into this, then give me like the quick rundown. What made you uh or how what was the transition from okay, I'm an exercise physiologist to now I'm running this, you know, intelligence or the this this technology company that's making some big waves in the healthcare space. Well, look, I think it's, it's one of those cases of follow your passion initially. Uh-huh. I went to a university initially studying accountancy in my first semester and was bored out of my brain and was always a, a performance sports person, was fascinated by teams and the body. Uh, so I got into, I thought, you know, let's build a profession out of a passion as opposed to what you think you should do. So I jumped over to exercise physiology. It resonated really well. You know, when you love what you do, it doesn't feel like you're doing any study research or, or work. Uh, so we'll sort of work through that, work with some fairly elite sports people. If any of you have followed the, or seen the game of rugby union, uh, I had uh, some forays with training and conditioning some of the All Blacks uh, from New Zealand way back in the early 2000s uh, and then broke out from there into insurance for a little bit and then thought, you know what, big enterprise and big businesses aren't for me because there's gaps there that should, should be done better. So got into uh, early stage businesses and really from there have just always worked with uh with like-minded colleagues in, in a business ownership function nice awesome yeah it's always nice to hear or just interesting to hear people that like started as boots on the ground doing something and then that kind of morphed into um into something that on the surface seems like way out of left field like what you're doing healthcare technology now but you know when you explain it like that it just makes sense you just put one foot in front of the other until you end up uh doing something cool <laughs> Look, and, and that's exactly it. I, I left New Zealand and moved over to Perth in Australia, Western Australia, um, and uh, found myself you know, from working in, in an insurance company behind a desk in a tie. And then all of a sudden I was in steel cap boots, hivers, um, and teaching health and safety up in the deep dark west of, of Australia in the desert in 45 degree heat. Um, and you know that was around injury prevention and health improvement protocols for really for a safety function. Um, and you know that then led into uh, business expansion across different states, and then uh, brought me up to Asia after exiting that business. So yeah, it's a funny how the world works. But uh, doors open, you walk through them, and here we are today. Yeah, yeah, awesome, cool deal. So um, first thing I want to dive into is it seems like just looking over what you have going on at AHI and how quickly it's happened, it's been a a rather um, well, impressive, but a quick creation of all of this development of these digital health solutions. So can you talk a little bit about kind of the, maybe the timeline, but like what has allowed AHI to to develop some of these tools so quickly and then bring them to market? And it sounds like pretty, in a pretty effective manner. Look, you know, this is a classic case of an overnight success that takes eight years. Um, <laughs> and and I would love to say this was my idea and all of that work is, is mine and uh, it's it's not at all. Uh, so the founder of that company based here in Perth um, had an idea in 2014. Um, and then that company was 
really built around understanding the, the physical form, the body, the dimensions, um, to then put that into different use cases. So, you know, can we use existing technology and phone cameras to get a better BMI in a lot of ways? So if we could understand chest, waist, hip, thigh measurements, that was, that was really where it all started. Um, and then to build on top of that with machine learning and AI modeling, um, and to, sorry, machine learning models and AI into uh, how deep could we go from that? So that was a 2014 commencement. And then uh, 2015, that company listed on the ASX in Australia, public exchange here, um, has gone through a patent portfolio um, process. So very, very um, heavily invested into protecting that technology and, and process. Um, has been acquisitive as well. And now that the product set is um, using, again, the phone, everything sits on the phone, which is ubiquity, right? If it sits in your pocket, yeah. it's always there. It's, it, it's forever accessible. And that becomes a gateway into health information. So body form, now we've got the ability to measure vital signs, systolic, diastolic, heart rate variability, respiration rate, heart rate. Um, and that in different protocols creates different sensor sets. And then we use that again to go into um, a deeper dive inside the body. So we look at HbA1c, C-reactive protein, triglycerides, HDL, LDO, sort of cholesterols. Um, and that puts and in, goes into a comprehensive report in a 10-minute process. Um, and that company has gone from 2014 just with the body outline, really, um, and dimensions into now a very comprehensive and deep biometric understanding, which is contactless, non-invasive. You don't need a health professional. And it's yeah, that was my next question. You You're not stabbing anybody to get any of these uh, lab results, right? And this is the issue. You know, you, you get part of the criticism of healthcare at the moment is either it's too hard to get into, so you've got a convenience issue. Um, yeah. It's confrontational, painful. I don't want to go and get jabbed to then find out if, if I've got a problem. I want to know that I've got something to get jabbed for. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that's a big part of it. And so we're trying to bring the investigative process outside. Um, and make it a bit more convenient, a bit more comfortable, obviously a bit more economical. And, you know, the triple aim of healthcare being, let's make it economical, let's make that user experience better, but actually let's look at baseline population health. Let's stop people needing to get into acute care if we can get a bit of a preventative or proactive approach. And when, if we can do that with machines and the computational capability of technology, then we've got less strain on health professionals and we can leave them you know, back to giving the care to the people that need it, as opposed to the administration dense process that is the healthcare system today. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, how does, I guess you're using the camera and a light of some sort to get some of that baseline reading. Talk talk a little bit about that. And then we'll, I want to dive into the whole population health and improving like just some of the efficacy of it all. So um, you, it was just a smartphone camera. You're getting like an outline of the body. Now you're getting all those those lab results basically that you just listed, and it's coming from basically the a light on the the smartphone camera. How's that working? Yeah, yeah. Look, and we've got the the key here is that there's multiple sensor sets, so we okay. go through a series of of functions. So um, we'll break it out as as the the full health assessment, which is about a ten minute process, has four tiers or four steps. Um, so the first is that we've got a face scan technology, which is a remote PPG. And so using the camera, we look at, um, at micro blushes underneath the skin. So, so if each time your heart contracts or you have a, you know, have a heartbeat, we're able to see the change in the, um, in the blood flow underneath the skin and the pigment change on the surface of the skin. So we're able to do that from a distance, you know, 20 centimeters or, or what's that an inch is about sort of eight to 10 inches away from your face. 
and we're able to over a 30 30 second or a 60 second period just um glean from that respiration rate arrhythmias and um systolic diastolic indicators so that's tier one that's about a 30 second process um then Always we goes. go into stage two which is a um, a protocol where we get people to lie down supine so we do this to trying to understand and understand those baseline or at rest measurements trigger that parasympathetic nervous system and really get in underneath and get as close to resting state and so uh, with a, a three-minute process here lying supine we're able to understand again and lower that respiration rate heart rate heart rate variability over that beat and beat to feet intervals over a course of three minutes now we've got a couple of different measurements in different physiological states which we can then put together to again build out that uh, uh, that or feed those machine learning models. So we've got now vital signs. We've got um, supinal metabolic and at rest parasympathetic simulated um, state. And now we go into the body or anthropometric measurements where this is where you take front on side on and using burst technology of the camera, we collect twelve thousand data points on the human body just in okay. that that thirty second process. Now that is immense. The real genius in this is that that information, because it's not X-ray, like we can't see through clothing, and therefore the subject is in form figure clothing or you know athletic or athleisure wear um, or undergarments. So it's not something that you want pinging around into different clouds. All yeah. of that process <laughs> happens on device. So that what we do there is we take that technology. Sorry, we take those images. We quickly pull the data out of it and they're instantly deleted. So they're not even in the camera roll on your phone. They don't leave the device at all. They are used and then, and then discarded immediately. There's no record of that image anywhere. So there's no way for that to be intercepted or to be breached because it's all on the GPU and CPU of the mobile phone. So that's secure. And so now that we've got those 12,000 data points, we're able to calculate and estimate from that using machine learning and computer vision, the outline. So we've got dimension measurements. We've got... Uh, body fat, total body fat, visceral adiposity, and um, that with your vital signs, with your metabolic markers, um, again, gives you more pieces of that total puzzle. And then the last phase, tier four, is where we actually um, put the state, or the, sorry, the physiological state under exertion. So we give a, an equivalent to a Harvard three-minute step test. So we're up and down. We have a guided protocol using haptics and sound on the phone um, to give the cadence of the steps under the guidance of a height. And then we monitor immediately on the cessation of that step test, um, the heart rate, heart rate variability um, in, a, um, in a recovery state. So now you've got pure metabolic at rest, you've got exertion, post-exertion recovery, you've got the vital signs and you've got the physical form. And we put that on top of a mental health screening using the GAD7 and the PHQ9. And we're able to put all of that information together and in 10 minutes give an instantaneous PDF report that we give back to the individual using red, amber, green risk gratification markers. And that gives the kind of health literacy cheat sheet back to the individual and they can see immediately, whoa, I'm, I've got something to do now around my cholesterol or I've got something to do around my, um, my blood sugar, HbA1c. Uh, but the rest of me is pretty okay. My VO2 max is good. My, um, my cardiovascular disease um, or framing and risk score over the next 10 years is pretty good, but I've got a real issue around some of those blood lipids. So now I can channel into a telehealth provider and these are partner providers that we work with um, and or I'm in, I'm in good shape. I don't need to do anything for another three or six months. And then I can come back and just undergo another 10 minute assessment 
and no one else is the wiser. It's just for me. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, you explained a lot. We're going to dive into some of that. So when the when the <laughs> sorry, report is, sorry, yeah, I, I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> it's it's really really cool. Um, so when the report is generated, this is something that's like maybe. I don't know, we've got Blue Cross Blue Shield or Aetna, like in the commercial space here in the US, maybe they, they contract with you and, um, you know, Jim Smith is able to to use your technology to run himself a screen. Nobody gets a report of that, just the patient? Or is there, does it ping off to maybe their PCP or their GP or something like that? Um, or can they order it or something? It's like, oh, do this. And then if, you know, depending on the results, then we can take you to the higher level. And if we need to, you know, run a, a deeper imaging study or another lab test or something like that, like I, I could just see the use cases for this kind of getting wider and wider the more you talk about it. And look, that's the risk, you know, because it is so applicable. You can put this into fitness chains that can be into obviously an outpatient function or a chronic illness patient to monitor uh, we've got treatment um, protocols, which we're looking at drug therapy or therapeutic effect of different um, pharmaceuticals. Uh, and actually, we've just announced a project up in the Middle East, where across the UAE and Saudi Arabia, um, we're working with a medication distribution function or you know a, a PBM, which is more commonly in the US. So as those chronic illness medications are delivered on a you know, sort of fortnightly or a monthly frequency, now those people are able to and encouraged to incentivize to um, take biometric markers and it can be as simple as a 30 second face scan or a 30 second body scan or we can go through the full 10 minute process um, but now we've got uh, regular data points and part of the criticism of the healthcare system is we wait for people to get sick or they get yeah. they get so unwell that then they go in and treatment's harder and treatment's more expensive whereas this way you know a, a gold standard at the moment is look if you get an annual medical you're you're doing really well that's that considered really good health management but your physiological state your risk profile can change in a matter of weeks not months or years yeah. and so if you can do this whenever wherever um, essentially using a subscription on your phone now we're able to work with at-risk populations healthy populations and equally for those on treatment plans um, and with with multiple conditions so the use case is very broad you're absolutely right um, the the data security and the consensus is we obviously spend a lot in legal um, and we work with all of the um, all of the protocols of HIPAA and GDPR and different regional requirements, PDPA, PDPI, APP, uh, depending on what country you're in. Um, and if we're working with one of those that is high risk, you know that's very information sorry information rich, which is passed on to treatment provider um, and potentially insurer. Um, or it can be anonymized and aggregated, and it can just be with you and the and the report if that's used in a. Um, and a function which is not around risk and, and payor scenarios. It might be more of a marketing or engagement function, for example, for a, um, an insurer, a travel insurer, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then tell me about how many patients y'all have, have done this with, because it sounds like, obviously, the it's been eight years, you've developed this technology, it sounds like you've had to test, you know, taking these 12,000 data points and, and analyzing them and all that. So how many patients have, have y'all used this with? Give or take. Oh, this look. This is the the exciting part. The the research that we've had through different research hospitals and academic institutions over the years. The components of this has been in the thousands. I think we've awesome. got north of seven thousand subjects which have gone through different um, different research projects and therefore publications uh, for body scan, for example. Ten thousand, I think, for the face scan north of. 
um, the full protocol together. This is quite new because last year, and, and the reason why I'm talking to you today as Advanced Health Intelligence is that um, that company and the founder of that business drove an acquisition process. And there was two acquisitions last year, one in August and one in December. And the collection of those capabilities, teams and technology, um, is now being put together in this biometric health assessment. And so that at the moment is undergoing some validation research with um, a, a really prestigious university out of South Africa, uh, which is where our clinical and, um, and biomathematical team are located. And uh, the, uh, the, the process for that to now go through that same scientific and academic validation rigor um, is underway at the moment. So that will be going live for the, the Middle Eastern project January 1 next year. Oh, that's awesome. So just from a, like the data that you do have comparing, I don't know, let's say the face scan to the equivalent lab, uh, lab test or something that would be done. Um, accuracy wise, how does the, the technology compare to, you know, those invasive procedures? Uh, so look, what most of our, um, our publications and research will point to a north of a 90, 92, 95 okay. up to a 97% accuracy. Um, so body scan, for example, 97% accurate to a DEXA scan. Now, this is hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of med tech machinery sitting usually inside research or, or healthcare institutions. Um, and we can replicate that to 97% from a, just using a mobile phone. Um, yeah. Base scan, you know, 92 to 95% for systolic, diastolic and, and um, equivalent conditions. So the accuracy is one thing. The repeatability is the is the next question that should follow that. Is, yep. <laughs> you know, it's all well and good for that to be in control conditions and, um, you know, to be sponsored or or, um, or coached inside that environment. But what does it look like in the wild? And, you know, that's where we're still getting the high 90s, mid to high 90s for, from an accuracy and a repeatability function. And that's really UX, UI driven. So, um the accuracy and the repeatability put together at the moment in the in the mid to high 90s which we're really proud of yeah i mean that's in, that's incredible just from a standpoint of like decreasing the cost like you said you're taking what was hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of medical equipment now you're doing it on the phone and sure if you're like what seven eight percentage points you know <laughs> of marginal risk there it's like you're still increasing the efficiency by by huge huge folds that's awesome um, well, look, there's, and there's two points to that, which are just, are just grab, Rafi, is that number one is that, you know, we're, we're absolutely not looking to replace doctors or to replace phlebotomy at all. You know, in fact, actually, what we're trying to do is to free it up for people that need it. So we'll yeah. stratify and say, Rafi, look, you're, um, you probably, you probably should, you've got amber risk levels across four or five different metrics here and one red. Um, that information then goes into a, a position if, if it's taken in by the individual. And that decision is then just more information for that treating physician to go, yeah, look, we'll put you into a blood test. So it's more data, more information for a better informed clinical decision, more, more so clinical decision support. We're not a diagnostic. And that, that's the, the ease of this is that anyone can use it, but um, we're, we're giving more information to both the physician and the patient. And secondly, you're right, the unit economics of this um, is great for cost, but also time. Like to go through all of that metric process, um, we've analysed it to be 168 minutes of consultation time to get all of that. That's not including waiting rooms or travel time. That's just to go through and see, you know, a kinesiologist to see the the nurse physician or the GP um, to do the three lead ECG. Now you take all of that and you compartmentalise it in 
into a phone in 10 minutes. So it's a time saving as much as an economic saving. And that's the real magic here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just thinking that like how many, how many patients go see a, a GP or somebody like that every year and they don't have that information. So they just order a battery of tests, you know, and now this patient is on this, you know, wild goose chase, maybe getting this test and this test and this test when they could have just done like a screen like this and gotten the information to say, oh, actually based off of your risk profile on this screening, we really need to only order one of these tests instead of all five or whatever. That's that's just awesome. And there's the spiral, right? Because then you go longer, waiting, sorry, longer waiting times um, and probably higher costs. Then you've got yeah. physician burnout, you've got lack of accessibility and people go, you know what? It's just too hard. I'm not going to do it. I'm not dying yet. So we don't, we, we, we remove that access of proactivity. And so, you know, if we can just take that burden off the system and start to automate it, we're also giving those clinics an ability to have um, a, a residual or a, a revenue stream, which is outside of their consultation hours. Because as soon as those doors close in traditional healthcare consultations, the revenue stops. Whereas now yeah. we're able to say, look, you can push this technology out to your, your entire population and say, measure yourself on a monthly basis. And if those markers change or if they get into the amber and the red zone, then come back and see me. And so now you're, if you say, look, doctor says, I'll, I'll charge you, you know, five or 10 bucks for a month for that. Are you going to do it? Look, I, I definitely would. And a lot of people would. So now that revenue opportunity has been expended to that GP clinic and to those positions over and above what they're doing in their day-to-day -day consultations. Yeah, no, and that kind of helps move towards that value base here that everybody's talking about, right? Like in, now in this fee-for-service model, if, like dentists say, I have a friend who's a dentist, if you're not drilling, you're not billing, you know, like, and that skews the incentives <laughs> on the provider side. But then, like you said, it kind of just drains these, you know, these physicians have to see so many patients, they can't take the time um, to spend more time because they're they're stuck under their revenue model. That means they have to be exactly seeing more patients and stuff. So you see it. Yep, that's it. Cool deal. Well, um, thanks so much for for being on the show, for taking the time. If there's just a couple main points you'd want people to walk away with from the episode, what would they be? Look, I think it's it's seeing is believing. You know, technology is not the problem here with the digi digital transformation inside healthcare. Um, we've seen technology disrupt media. We've seen it happen for uh, for um, commercial and and um, uh, and you know our finance. It's healthcare's turn now, but it's not a technology problem. This is now just overcoming that inertia of big institutions. And so, you know, I know that a lot of your your listeners and your um, and your your user base are health professionals. And I think it's really if you've got the open mind here to try new technologies, it's out there and it's in the form of what we've got here. But this is an ecosystem play. So open the minds, give things a go, and you'll be pleasantly surprised the robustness of technology and and the the innovation that's coming to healthcare through different mediums is astounding so give it a go uh, and if you're in that business of your own company just keep knocking on doors keep doing it because um, the more that we get that groundswell happening um, the more change we're going to realize and this is a partnership this is an ecosystem play that's going to solve and we're absolutely championing it but we need everyone else to do it as well so uh, i hope that this has been interesting to everybody rafi you've been magic so thanks for your time uh, I know that you've got, uh, you've only got so many minutes in the day. So really appreciative of your ears and, and your listeners ears as well. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time. Where can people find out more about you, um, about uh, AHI and, and all the places, the links, the socials, what, wherever they can find you. 
So Advanced Health Intelligence is the company's name. Our website is ahi.tech, T-E-C-H. Uh, so really simple. Uh, so LinkedIn, uh, also we're public exchange listed on the NASDAQ and on the ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, under the ticker A-H-I. Uh, so that extends out to Twitter and um, and the exchanges as well. So uh, come and have a look. Uh, we're very, very friendly. We're, uh, we're looking for people to work with. Uh, that goes both in a partnership capacity and also team members. So come and check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and come and say hello on email at hello at ahi.tech. Awesome. Well, cool deal. Scott, thanks so much. Have a good one. You too, Rafi. Appreciate your time again. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Scott Montgomery talking about all of the wide applications that are available with to anybody with a smartphone and some of the ways we can leverage that really commonplace technology to do some really incredible things. I think for me, what I mentioned at the very beginning of the show about freeing up a clinician's time, like that just seems like a no-brainer to me. We should We should all be finding ways to do that. One of the things, though, that we ended up talking about near the end of the episode, which, again, I think is just the the direction in which healthcare is going. I mentioned this in the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare. You can get that on Amazon or our website. Shameless plug there for the book. Um, that healthcare is moving away from this fee-for-service model, right? Where, as the, the dentists say, if you're not drilling, you're not billing. That whole model of reimbursing for healthcare services skews the incentives, right? It means that clinicians are incentivized to do as many billable procedures in as little time as possible in order to maximize the revenue. What technologies like this allow is it allows clinicians to step away from that model and it really opens up the doors to some of these value-based reimbursement methods, whether it be, you know, shared savings or lump sum payments or, or you name it, it allows clinicians because it, something like this doesn't really, well, it might fit into the normal fee for service, um, healthcare model, business model, but it allows by freeing up a lot of the time of the clinicians, it means that some of the time that they would have spent doing some of those quote unquote billable activities, um, those procedural codes ends up being freed up to spend more time with the clinician, with the patient, meaning the clinician is able to achieve those better outcomes, those, those improved clinical outcomes and clinical metrics um, by spending more time with patients and not doing extraneous uh, procedures or, or bill, billing CPT codes, right? So one of those things that it's just exciting to me is just how leveraging these technologies, as Scott said, is not going to replace a clinician, but it's going to free them up from doing a lot of the, maybe the mundane, some of the repetitive, some of the stuff that doesn't need to be done because the patient comes to you pre-screened and you already kind of have a springboard to jump into to really tackle the root of the problem as opposed to just dealing with symptoms and, and doing a bunch of tests to kind of figure out what the symptoms are coming from. Um, I just think it's it's something that's super cool, and I'm excited to see kind of how it progresses over, um, obviously, the next several years. I, I was talking to somebody the other day um, about healthcare. I, I work primarily in the musculoskeletal space, being an outpatient orthopedic clinician by clinical trade, and then working a lot with 
healthcare technology and software companies in the MSK space. Um, and I was talking to them and I said, you know what, we are in a, it's just exciting to wake up <laughs> every day and come to work and see the the innovation that is taking place just in my little corner of the healthcare industry. You know, I'm not involved in cardiology or brain surgery or neuroscience or anything like that. I mean, neuroscience a little bit with chronic pain, but um, like I'm not, I, I'm very, I'm focused in this musculoskeletal, orthopedic, pain, uh, rehabilitation space of healthcare. And just seeing the advancements that have taken place over the last five years, what continues to take place every day is exciting. And then seeing something like this has applications really quite broadly within healthcare. And the way some a tool like this could, without like getting all dramatic about it, but really revolutionize the way healthcare services are delivered is exciting. And to be in a position to just kind of see it happening in real time is something super cool. I have I have a feeling it's gonna be one of those things that I tell my kids and my grandkids if I live that long um, about and say, oh yeah, I remember when I was a you know a young professional and this is this is how we did healthcare back then. I mean, I already have some of those stories. You know, like when I graduated from graduate school, started working as as a clinician, we were doing paper documentation still. Like that's one of those things that we would never even think about doing these days. Like who would do paper documentation. Why on earth would you do that? I have a feeling some of these tools, some of these technologies that are coming to the forefront that are being introduced in the market now are going to be that revolutionary where the the new clinicians coming up in 10 or 15 years are going to, are going to say something like, why wouldn't you consider using this tool or that tool? So it's just exciting. It's it, That's my, my hopeful optimism uh, for the future, the future of healthcare. So that's all I've got today. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. Helps people find the show. If you want to follow us on YouTube, this episode will the the video won't be on YouTube, but the the audio the audio will be on YouTube. But for the most part, whenever we can get a a guest to do some to do a video interview with us, we post those as well. You can find that at the Rehab U Practice Solutions uh, YouTube ch- uh, YouTube channel YouTube page. You can also find us at www.betteroutcomes.show. That is the main page for the podcast. You can sign up there uh, to be notified whenever we drop a new episode. You can follow, uh, subscribe in your favorite uh, podcast player. Uh, Leave us a rating from there as well. Leave us a rating or review. Um, And if you want to learn more about me, what I do, how I help innovative healthcare uh, technology and innovative healthcare companies humanize healthcare. You can learn about that at RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. That's Rehab, the letter U, PracticeSolutions.com. Very specifically, I do work with healthcare technology and software companies on a specific project called the Market Penetration Roadmap. Basically, we help healthcare technology and and SaaS companies say the right thing to the right healthcare audience. So if you want to align your technology, your platform, your tool, et cetera, with your targeted stakeholder in order to create a consistent message to drive business development strategy in that niche that you've chosen in healthcare, um, I would suggest you check out the Market Penetration Roadmap. You can find that at Strategy 
www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. As always, if you want to inquire about speaking, having me come to your organization or your conference and speak, you can just shoot us an email at info at rehabupracticesolutions.com and we can take it from there. Check out the book, Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare on Amazon and Kindle and Audible and, and all the places. Until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.